Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Um, I hope that you had a fantastic Hallmark holiday and that you um, enjoyed your day, ever how you chose to, to spend it. I want to tell you a little story about my husband and Valentine's Day. Um, I might have said, I might have shared this in just right. Okay, so I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I haven't in a very long time. Um, and uh, about four or five years ago, might, might be six, um, this dude at my husband's work convinced him that I was not telling the truth about not wanting Valentine's Day gifts, that every woman wants a Valentine's Day gift. So this man, this charming sweet man that I'm married to, sent me a box of really nice chocolate-covered strawberries. Gourmet chocolate-covered strawberries. <laughs> right? And they came in this box on dry ice. And I was like, I, he, uh, the doorbell rang. So I went out there. There'd been a package delivery. Um, I pick it up. I didn't look at the name on it. I bring it into the house, put it on the chest freezer, go back to my office to continue working. He gets home and he's like, you didn't open your present? I was like, what present? And he said, the present I got you for Valentine's Day. I said, it's Valentine's Day? I said, you know, I don't care about that shit. What'd you get me? <laughs> because I'm not going to turn down a present, but I don't care that it was Valentine's Day. So then I went down and there were some really beautiful chocolate covered strawberries. I mean, big fat ones. Some of those strawberries were like fit in the palm of my hand. Like they were like palm size. They were gorgeous. And I was like, well, this is lovely, but unnecessary. I I really don't celebrate Valentine's Day. <laughs> I did eat them, though. Not going to lie. You, I, I did eat them. I, but you said, but you can feel free to get me these the next time you fuck up. <laughs> you, can, you can buy these any time of the year that you would like. But I don't actually need a Valentine's Day present. I, it's, I, don't, I don't actually celebrate most holidays unless it involves food. Like, I like Thanksgiving, but I don't actually celebrate Thanksgiving because... Dudes, seriously, what is there to celebrate? Learn, learn some history. Um, but I do like to cook food, so I'm more than willing to ha to celebrate Indigenous People Day. Yeah, I'm willing to eat. <laughs> Anyways, so Jilly was Jilly had an unfortunate incident today in fandom, and um, as one does on International Fan Works Day, and um, which is at, actually tomorrow, but whatever. Well, for me, technically, it's already International Fan Works Day. So yeah, I, by nine minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're we're in it. Okay, so I had this epiphany, and I was like, you know, I remember getting really bit out of shape when my book, when my ebooks got pirated, and mostly it was about how much money this site was making for, on, on me. The ties that bind ebook had fifty thousand downloads, and they had advertising all over that page. So every single time someone went to that page and downloaded, they were getting paid for that, and it was infuriating. I don't even know what they were using that money for. I'll never know what they used that money for. It could have been anything. It could have been something disgusting, horrific, oh, nightmarish. It was probably just somebody trying to make an extra buck and doing it on something they shouldn't have. True, but it could be human trafficking for all I fucking know so anyway it was really irritating right um and so I got kind of bent around the axle and I stayed bent around the axle for years years and then of course you guys know what happened last year with, with Harry Potter fandom and just the pure goddamn entitlement and that started because of a file sharing group now the file sharing group only bothered me because while they were talking about sharing my work Outside of the means by which I was sharing it, they were also bashing me and telling and saying that I was a wretchedly terrible person at the same time. Yeah, pick 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 a lane. Either do what well, she, you know, either share her works in a way she doesn't want you to share them, or 
talk trash. I mean, you know, don't do both. I had someone tell me recently in an email. Um, she said, I wish you weren't so talented because I can't stand you. <laughs> That's a paraphrase. Basically, what she was saying is, is that she wished she didn't like reading my work because I'm a shit person. I'd be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna level up my talent so that you can feel even worse about liking my work. <laughs> like, bitch, I get better every day. I hope you got enough in you to deal with this awesomeness over here. Anyways, anyways, so I had an epiphany, and I wanted to share it with you guys. No reader on this earth, no matter how much they try, no matter how much they pirate your work, no matter how much they copy your work, if they print your work out, they will never own your work. They will never own your words. Even the publishers who have published my work don't own it. The people who have bought my eBooks professionally across, oh, over a span of the last 25 years do not own my work. They own a digital file or they own a handful of glued paper, but they do not for a moment own a single word I've ever written and they never will because nobody has the ability to own my creative product but me. So in about four hours, I'm putting up all my harmony work again, and I'm going to put up small magic, and I'm probably going to share some shit you guys have never seen before, because that's my shit, and I'm going to do what I want with it, and none of these motherfuckers, not a single one, is ever going to own my words. So that's my epiphany. Good epiphany. It was very liberating. I feel like I lost 25 pounds in about 10 minutes. I mean, honestly. I mean, I got plagiarized like three weeks ago on AO3. And what stood out to me was this one commenter. And I, I actually wanted to like send her an email and tell her to calm down. It would be okay to her calm her tits. But she she actually berated this person for plagiarizing me and said, take this down before Kira sees it and deletes off her work. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to do that. Number one, if you delete your work when you get par um, um, plagiarized, which Julie has, has spoken to, you have no proof that it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is there. There, is, I get the emotional inclinations like, oh, my God, I've been plagiarized. I'm going to take all of my. Um, OK, that's disturbing. That's got to go. <laughs> um, yeah. um, I'm going to take all of my cookies and go home. Um, I get it. I, I but the thing is, when you do that, then anybody can post your work and you have no proof it's yours. I mean, unless you've done one of those copyright vault things, which there is such a thing, um, you can actually file for copyright of even you can even file for copyright of fan works you just can't make money on them right right and there are copyright they're all copyright vaults where you can like log your digital copyrights in and i can't remember what the services are called but i think of them in my head as copyright vaults um and that's how you basically they're registered with the patent and trademark office and you basically you send them the digital copy of your work and they log it on a certain date and it can then be compared historically to the but anyway unless you're doing that with your fan works the best which most people are not, let's be real, your best proof of your ownership of this fan work is its presence online. So when you take it down, because as I, as we know, I mean, the thing is, I've always known, I appreciate the copy protections that are on Rough Trade, because I really don't actually want my rough draft being the thing that is circulated around. I really don't no, want that. No, it's gross. It's gross. But but the thing is, I know how to get around copy protections. I don't do it, but I know how to because it 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 and it. There's a lot of different ways to do it. I'm not going to tell anybody how to do it either. So don't don't ask me. Um. So if I know how to do it, and I'm not that when it comes to that kind of thing, I'm not that technically savvy. But if I know how to do it, there are a lot of people who know how to do it. So I've always known that there are people who are downloading the stories when they shouldn't to keep them. And to some degree, what people do for their own personal use, I honestly don't care. 
I just like whatever. Um, people ask me, people ask me all the time, can I make an ebook of your work? And I'm like, what you do for your own personal use, I don't care. If you want to get it printed out and and take a bath in it, I don't care. Just don't tell me and don't do it to anybody else and don't make any money on it and don't bind it. Because um, you're breaking all kinds of laws if you print out something and take it to take it to FedEx office and get it bound. Um, but anyway, that's a whole tangent that I won't go down. But um, in general, I don't care what people are doing for their to entertain themselves and the privacy of their own homes. I really don't care about. <laughs> um, but I don't I know. I especially don't care. Please don't tell me when you go to your bunk. No, really don't. But I don't care, and I. I but the thing is, I also I don't want to know about it, and don't share it with other people. So. Um, but I know that it happens. I know it happens behind the scenes. I just don't want it in my face. So when someone writes me and says, Hey, is this thing that you just posted like less than 24 hours ago? Uh, is it the same as this, this ebook I got last fall? I'm like, wow. Okay. I just, that really is like getting hit with the face with a dead mackerel. <laughs> um, Honestly, I could not tell you how many times people have basically told me they were going to go masturbate because of something that I wrote. Yeah, I just, I couldn't, uh, that, I, just, I couldn't put totally a number not. on it. I literally could not put a number on it. I don't, I mean, even if it was the, I don't, I don't even mind so much the, oh, I'm, I, that got me really hot and bothered or I'm going to go beat off or whatever. When somebody gives me really specific description about just how wet they got, I'm like, wow, we have hit an oversharing space that, I need my boundaries. You've exceeded all of them. We need to have a talk. I, I went and I had actual therapy about boundary setting and we didn't actually cover this. Um, but anyway, I mean, I realize, you know, honestly, if you asked me to list my talents as a writer, I would say I'm really good at dialogue. I am. I can tight. I mean, I can plot a, a story so tight you could bounce a quarter off of it. And I write fantastic sex scenes. Do I want you to tell me when you jerk off? No, I don't. Honestly, Erite, I don't even want to be told I'll be in my bunk because that's basically you telling me you're going to go, go masturbate. And I don't, I'm not here for it. I'm often in my bunk when I'm reading fan fiction, but it's because I usually read lying down. <laughs> I mean, I get the reference. I didn't actually used to get the reference. And then I got the reference. And then I was like, dude, no, I don't want to know. I, I really don't. I'm 46 years old. I don't want to know about any erections I might inspire. <laughs> Oh, it's of often, any sort. It's more often I'm hearing about things getting. It's like I had to change my panties after that. It's like, are you? I are don't you want in, to hear about Lady Wood either. Are, are you? In, are you incontinent? Put on that's a pad. Not, that's not what I meant. Yes, he did, fairy, and that's. I did just quote myself. That is something that Ron said. Uh, John said he said that he told O'Neill he didn't wish to be informed about um, erections he might inspire in the future. So I quoted myself in the first time. But let's go back to this thing that happened with Jilly. Because it is deeply disrespectful to take somebody's rough draft off rough trade. Um, it is not an environment for readers. It is an environment for writers. And readers are there. Um, it's a privilege, not a right. And there was a time when I required readers to log in to rough trade to read. So that I could control how access was done. And also so I could kick people off when they were assholes. Because what? I'll do it. Um, and honestly, I, I would not have responded kindly to that email. In fact, I got, I listed you guys, my response. And that, that is exactly what I would have put in my email to this person. I, I would, I would not have been kind because it is, I, it is galling to get somebody's rough draft in a fucking ebook, but then to email 
the writer a year later and ask her if her rough draft is substantially different than her final copy she put on her website. Are you fucking serious? But basically, that's basically what she was asking you. Is it worth it for me to download, to copy and paste all of your work into a new file and make myself a new ebook? Or would it be a waste of my time? Yeah, that is basically what she's asking. Now, I do, I, the thing is, I didn't give her the information she for, but I mean, I, I know that there's 2,000 words difference between the first, the rough draft, and the final. Is that substantive? I don't know. It depends upon how you look at it. That's usually about what, well, except for that one time that it was almost 20, but so I'm usually between two and 5,000 words more on a final draft than I am the original. Yeah. So... For what? About about what? Girl, you guys both looking at your name like, what? <laughs> oh, you're talking about Lantean Legacy. I'm not even talking about Lantean Legacy. That, you know, honestly, <laughs> making you add words. No, no, no. Because that's that's part of the beta process. Um, although Lantean Legacy did go from 30,000 to 50,000. That wasn't even the project I was thinking of. Because basically my first draft of Lantean Legacy was little more than a zero draft, to be honest. Comparatively speaking, um, but I jumped twenty five or thirty thousand words in my quantum bang between version one and version two. I mean, I was already over the minimum word count anyway, so that wasn't the purpose. Like, I wasn't adding, I wasn't padding the work to make it bigger. I just realized something after I finished it, and I was like, oh. I'm gonna have to do something yeah, about I was really that. confused. <laughs> actually, my my word count actually went down by like. Yeah, you know, a few words, like 10 after I finished beta. So it, it wasn't beta that caused, but when I edit, especially after a rough draft challenge, like rough trade, often I'm like, okay, I've got some loose ends or some things I didn't tie up, you know, that I, I, I have notes about things to go in and put those things in. And then I go back and I put them in um, or to, to smooth some things out or to finish putting in the penguin that I pantsed. Hmm. You know, if I pants to penguin, which I actually haven't pants to penguin. Yeah. Sometimes you still got time. <laughs> I got time. Got um, time. But you know, so, so yeah, my my stories always get. There's always some stuff that, and sometimes it's just the difference is actually just little little loose little loose ends that you, um, it between the rough draft. If you've only read the rough draft and you hadn't read the final draft of these small hours, there's actually a lot of little loose ends about minor characters that are wrapped up between the two that's one of that's the big you know the big difference between the two but content wise i really liked what you did with abby i really liked that thank you because oftentimes um the thing is is the character of abby was left under um undeveloped for basically the entire series and often we focus on her deeply childish behavior um in a specific set of episodes um when she isn't consistently like that throughout the series, she's written very inconsistently in NCIS canon. And she's also never allowed to grow up, which is a level of misogyny I'd rather not get into. Um, because she is treated like a little girl. They even dress her like a little goth baby girl. You know, it's, it's gross. Um, it is gross. But um, it's interesting to see that child, that behavior addressed and get to get to the root of it. But then to also see her get beyond it. So it was nice. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to wrap up. Give every, I tried to give every character that was significantly mentioned some sort of little wrap up because I actually wanted to because of a very for a very specific reason um, that I don't really want to revisit this pairing. I normally give myself room to write more in a story if I if I feel like coming back to it, and I certainly could in this story. There's 
op options for that. But I actually really wanted to put a pin in this story and not feel like I needed to come back to it for anything. So that's why I wrote a really long epilogue and why every character's plot line got some kind of mention and wrap up somewhere. Um, because I just wanted to this, this to be done. Um, so it was very deliberate to make sure. And actually that was one of the big differences between the rough draft and the thing is I, I made that decision between rough draft and final draft was I wanted to put that pin in every plot line and go, okay, I want to, not so much the plot lines as it was the characters, what is going on with all of them? What did they do? How did they progress? Where did they wind up? Even if it was just a one-line mention, like, you know, Abby wound up going into private research and Tim got married and um, whatever. So that is the substantive difference between the two. Am I going to tell the person who asked me that, that? No. Suck it. No, of course not. Because it's just honestly just, like I said, it's just because I know that something happens doesn't mean I want somebody rubbing it in my face that it's happened. It's insulting that basically she emailed you to ask you if it was worth her time. Yeah. And I'm like, heifer. Is this, is, even if I didn't add anything different, are you asking me if the final edited copy that I've honestly spent a ton of time editing, you're asking me if it's worth your time? Fuck you. I just spent four hours editing the first 20,000 words of my quantum bang and I'm not done. I mean, because before I send to beta, I do a personal edit. Oh, it'll be a while. Yeah. Like I said, I've only done 20, uh, I've, I've only done, I don't know, a, a th less than a fourth. Um, it's like, I don't send my work to beta until after I've done my own edit. Right. Um, and so you could send, you could spend, I don't know, 20, 20 hours on an edit before it ever goes to beta and then another 10 hours in edit. And that's not even counting the writing time. And I was like, really? Really? But then I think that that's the difference between a reader and a writer. I think a lot of readers, in fact, maybe perhaps even the majority of readers, have no idea how much time goes into um, a fan fiction. And the only time they notice that time hasn't been spent when it's full of mistakes. So all the work that we do like I spent eight months writing um, "Unleash Your Demons." That was just the writing, not the editing. Editing these things all take time, and sometimes some things take less time to write. Like sometimes you can get a hundred thousand really good quality words out really quickly, but some things are more intricate, and it takes a lot more time to plot them. You know, it takes you spend a lot of time working out the intricacies of the plot and dealing with the ramifications. "Unleash Your Demons" had a lot of ripples that you had to manage, so. Um, I think Unleash Your Demons might have taken you longer to write the writing process than mm -hmm. your current Quantum Bang, which is... It was my longer. first... Okay, this is going to sound really, really weird. But it was my very first Bang. And I wanted to go out... I mean, I wanted to come out swinging. I really wanted to produce something that was like, wow. So I put a lot of effort into it. The plotting, the characterization, the movement. I mean, I spent a lot of time on Unleash Your Demons because I wanted it to be like, holy shit, Kira, what'd you do? Because I'd never done one before, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to half-ass it. That uh, you, I mean, I, I, don't know. I don't know. And you didn't half-ass it, but you also had a very. <laughs> well, you I also had a very with half a ass. <laughs> That's not even possible for me. I got like two asses, so um, <laughs> I got I got booty to spare. Um, but when it comes, but you had a lot of intricacies in that plot. Um, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of moving parts in Unleash Your Demons. Not that you don't have intricacy in your current Quantum Bang. That's not even the point. It's just I I I remember like the pausing to think about the ripples was a lot different with with Unleash Your Demons. It was it was a lot <laughs> no, of that's great, huh? 
<laughs> she said not to be a parent about this, but your ass is magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, a, it was, it, it really was very revitalizing, I think, for a lot of people who were really fed up with MCU at, at that time. So, but it, it's because it, it has, I mean, I remember like there were, you know, even as even as you, I know you had thought through a lot of the ripples. I know there were times when you'd stop and go, "Okay, I got to think through the ripples again." And it's because it was so um, interconnected. You were so moving back through canon. It's one thing to go into a um, time travel story where you obliterate canon, and it's a lot easier to write where you aren't having to worry so much about the ripples of what you're doing. But you were those ripples were continuing to ripple out into every single character. Well, they had to because the, the MCU is so connected. Right, exactly. And so it's because you were still had all these canon canon events that were going to come into play, and you had all these canon characters, the ripples just kept going and going and going. So, I mean, Unleash Your Demons was a, log- a, a logistical behemoth um, to write. Um, but, you know, weirdly then, somebody else also made this pissy little comment that I just had to laugh at because I gave, I have an analogy for it, right? Which was basically like, I like your story. I don't like this part of the plot, but it kind of fit. Um, but it's your story. You can do whatever you want. That's the, that's the, that's the gist of the comment, which is sort of like, imagine going up to somebody on the street going, I like your outfit, hate your shirt, but it kind of fits with your pants, but uh, it's your clothes. You can wear whatever you want. I mean, it's just so dumb. <laughs> It's just so dumb. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, there's a line in Harry Potter and a Soulmate Bond where Ron basically tells um, Harry, "Well, it's your money; you can do what you want with it." And Harry, and Harry says, "Thank you for your permission to live my life as I see fit." Right. I think the thing is, when it co- when it comes to tropes in a story, you are never gonna please even 50% of people. It's just not possible. Get a list. Here's all the tropes in my story. Can I get 50% of my readers to sign off on this, on every single trope? You won't. Because there's going to be somebody who hates at least one trope on the list. Nobody's going to like every single trope. It just it just doesn't work that way. Um, people are like, okay, well, I really don't like this kind of trope, but I'm going to, I'm just going to set it aside because I can live with it. Oh, God. I don't normally read female McKay, but... <laughs> right? So in this case, it's like, oh, I really don't like stories where men have babies. Well, whatever. <laughs> I could almost, I could almost feel like, oh, you made them all heteronormative, going off and having a family. I was like, oh, shut up. Gay men want to have families too. So hush. I mean, um, otherwise, gay adoption wouldn't be such a big thing, right? Right. And since I know a fair number of gay men who have also paid for surrogates so they could have biological children, I, I mean, I'm not saying that you know all gay people want to have children certainly they don't but not all straight people want to have children either so you i know. mean the next time you write something like that you should write a male preg just to, just to hammer it home <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the thing is the thing is it's always somebody who's straight who's up on the ally bus yelling about heteronormative um tropes in in male male fan works and it's like shut up <sighs> I know. It's like, what do you even say, right? It's like, what do you even say? I mean, people suck. They do. But I, that I just kind of laugh at because, I mean, I have gotten in the argument before about with people about, um, you know, we shouldn't just assume that all gay people want to have really have have normal, you know, hetero like hetero like relationships and have children and blah, 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 blah. Um, and it, I, you know, what we need to, we need to take the hetero out of it because Frankly, there. I mean, I I have several cousins who are child free. 
They're in relationships with men. And those bitches got their tubes tied as soon as they could. One of them paid out of pocket because her insurance wouldn't pay for it. She saved up to get a hysterectomy, not to buy a house. <sighs> wouldn't that have been nice? Right? I mean, so... And the idea that gay men don't want to have romantic relationships or gay women don't want to have romantic relationships is bullshit. Some people do and some people don't, you know. And it's not about the kind of sex that you like to have or what's in your pants. Right. It's not about that at all. And the, and the, the thing is, it's because the, the, the tides are turning with expectations of relationships and stuff in a switch where I think more more... It probably is about women empowerment, where women are more empowered to say, hey, I don't want kids. I actually know more, you know, ostensibly heterosexual couples that don't have children than gay couples that don't. So I know I actually have, because, you know, I actually know, have know quite a few people who are gay. My, you know, being that I was being gay myself and part of the gay community for a long time, it's not that shocking. Um, but almost all of them have kids through one method or, or another. Um so, Some people are really, really into fuck trophies, and that's fine. And but not, but and that's it. But they that was a real priority for a lot of um, the the gay couples I know is that is they wanted to have kids. That was that was part of their couple planning, and you know. It's, but on the other hand, uh, of the heterosexual couples that I know, very few of them have children. It it doesn't mean anything at all. It means nothing. It, it's not a particular. It's not even. I don't even think it's a data aberration i just think it's people are individuals and what they want is what they want but being married and um getting married commitment or not commitment or none of these things are the, these are not to marry to not marry to to be monogamous or not monogamous to have children or not to have children these are not gay or straight traits so, like I said, I, I tried that having that argument with somebody once, but like I said, you know. But here's the thing, you know, we actually, I'm not going to list any names or anything, but we actually have someone in our in our community who um, wants no part of any single relationship, but had a baby because she wanted a baby. Right. But she didn't want a partner or any of that nonsense that went with it. And I've got, partner. I've got a friend from college can be who had two. Yeah, really? I had two. Uh, um, she's had two children through artificial insemination. Um, and wants no part of a man. Never had sex with anybody but herself. She said once, I said, do you ever think about somebody else? And she said, no, I do me fine. I was like, well, you go then. <laughs> She's out there living her best life with two really interesting, creative children. And it's just like, you don't have to be this one thing to want this. And if you are this one thing, it doesn't automatically mean you want this. And while we're on the subject, and I know it's far away, but this year when you see women out in public on Mother's Day, how about unless you see them with a kid hanging off of them, calling them mama, don't wish them happy, um, happy Mother's Day. I actually don't leave my house to avoid being told Happy Mother's Day. Now, there are plenty of women who don't have children. Some don't have children because they didn't want them. And some don't have children because they couldn't have them. And I'm one of those ones who couldn't. So I don't actually want to be told Happy Mother's Day any more than a woman who didn't want to have kids, doesn't have kids, and really doesn't want anybody calling her mama ever. So, you know, just just stop. <laughs> just please stop. You know what I've never seen on Father's Day? My husband get wished Happy Father's Day. Nobody automatically assumes he's a father. Well, that's bullshit. Right? I mean, you know, the funny that, thing it is would actually upset him to get be, um, to, um, to be told that, but because um, 
he wanted them too, you know? So it's, it, it wouldn't be something that he would want to see, but it's just a stigma attached to women that if you're a woman of a certain age, then you must have kids. And the funny thing, it's much more likely that men have children <laughs> than every woman does. Right. Men could have, men could have all kinds of children. They don't even know about, Hey, happy father's day to you and all the kids you don't know you have. <laughs> Did you keep track of all your sperm? Asking for a friend. Or it's like that, um, what's that line in Legally Blonde? To keep track of every masturbatory emission. And if he didn't, what makes these sperm special? <laughs> For the record, all men think all their sperm is special. <laughs> They're all special little snowflakes. <laughs> but yeah, so I had my epiphany and I was just, I just relaxed on the inside. Because, and also there was somebody actually last year after I took down my works in progress for Harmony. I never removed completed works. Yeah, that accusation um, was weird that you would, and and it both it was two accusations, twofold. One, somebody said you had taken down your completed works, which wasn't true, and two, it never had, had it been true that you that you had done it before that you had taken your work completed works down and put them back up. That's not true at all. Which you had never done. But I do remove stuff from EAD if it gets completed and goes on my website, or if I change my idea about how. Like sometimes if I pick up a work in progress and I replot, I'll pull what's down from EAD because it, it no longer fits. It's not, it's not accurate anymore. And it upsets me. It, it, it bothers my OCD. So that's just a function of my OCD that you're just going to have to deal with. Right. You know what I mean? I can't do a damn thing about that. Um, but someone told me that me taking down my excerpts, my words that belong to me was like me going into his house and taking a book from him that he'd bought. No, it's not the same thing because that would be theft. Um, for starters, the literal act would be theft, but he didn't buy that from you and uh, he couldn't. And uh, oh, wait, he, it, he didn't buy that from you. <laughs> right. But even even if it had been my original work and even if he had purchased a copy of my original work, he would not own it. He would own a digital file. Maybe he would even own a paper copy that he got at the bookstore, but he wouldn't own my work. He doesn't own my words and he never will. None of you will. Well, technically buying a book is basically a sort of like a licensing kind of thing. Like you, Right. Uh, but all that you technically owe when you buy a, uh, the only thing you really own when you buy an ebook is a digital file. And the only thing you really own when you buy a paper book is a pile of paper that's been glued together. Right. Um, and when it comes to that digital file, have you ever gone into your Amazon um, Kindle management and saw all these little update signs? Yeah. It's because they want you to update the content that you've got on your Kindle because the publisher has put out a, a new edition of the book or made some corrections in the book and they want you to download a new one. If you owned the words within that digital file, they couldn't do that. They also technically, if you read Amazon's terms and conditions, there are circumstances under which they can take something that you have purchased because you yep. technically, when it comes to the digital content, when they, when you, when they buy, when you buy a paper book, they can't literally can't come and get that back from you. Um, but what, but that's because what you own is the, um, and Amazon doesn't have the right to come and like scan your computer to come and try to find a digital copy. But if it's on your Kindle, yeah, they can yank it. And the next time you connect to the internet, there are circumstances under which they can yank that content back. It doesn't happen often, which is why you don't hear about it, but it's in their terms and conditions. Yeah. And it's because you don't technically own it. You never do. You basically are being granted a license. But even publishers don't own it. All they're given is the right to make copies. And that right expires. Well, they don't own the words. They own the rights, which is at least for a short period of time. Right. They own the right to distribute, but they don't own um, the, the content itself. 
now there used to be some shady ass shit went on in publishing where they could they did make authors sign over their copyright like ownership of the work but that doesn't happen anymore harlequin guy got a big ding for that in the 80s so they don't do that anymore they also used to take ownership of pen names which is why if you ever read harlequin sometimes you pick up a writer that you really enjoyed but then a couple years later another book would come out by that writer and it wouldn't be quite there, the same I like i can't remember there used to be i can't remember who the author was but there used to be an author under harlequin that had like six different people writing under that pen name yeah and there was like one of them that was really good. <laughs> it's like, and are we going to get this ass. time? Yeah. I mean, because the tone would change, the off, the author voice would change, and even as a young woman, I re this is not the same writer. Did she hit? Did she fall and hit her? Because head? a writer, because <laughs> kind of like a singer has a head voice, a writer does too, and that head voice kind of comes down into your author voice, and there's a distinct difference. I mean, you can you see that. You see that, which which makes what Nora Roberts do, does with J.D. Robb astounding. Yeah, she really changes her her author voice between her suspense and her romance because she it's, has a distinct author voice between the two, and it's just like, what girl? You go, you go on with I've, your bad self. I've seen sometimes an author will do like an experimental work, and their their author voice will be very different in like the experimental work. Like they'll um, they'll try doing a different style of narrative or whatever, and it's really fascinating when an author does it. And I like to see that kind of experimental stuff. But generally, if it's the same basic narrative style, an author's voice doesn't change. I mean, it evolves over time. An author might become crisper; they might be a little bit less wordy. You're going to see an evolution over time. That's not what we're talking about. Um, but the fundamental way that an author kind of pr comes across on the page usually is something that's pretty much unique to them. But go, coming back to your epiphany. So you have this epiphany that your words are yours and a, re a reader will never own them, which is, I think, sometimes we know something intellectually, but it's really can be super impactful to really verbalize it. What about that led to your decision to bring back your EAD works? Well, it's about, there was this moment last year when I felt like I needed to protect my words and I especially needed to protect these works in progress because I felt like those people in that not the file share group but the other group um had betrayed my trust and they I didn't trust them with my words and so I felt like I had to protect them is that 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 sounds that, that probably sounds really crazy no no it doesn't I think it's a um I don't think it sounds crazy. I think it's a, a like an emotional leap. I don't trust them, therefore I can't trust them with my stuff. Um, but it, it is a leap between one and the other because you're right. You can't trust them. No, I know definitely. Um, and I don't think you and you can't truly trust them with your stuff. But where the false equivalency in your own head was is you were never trusting them with your stuff. Right, because they never owned my stuff. They never right. had any ability to. Um, and it's just like it was. Yeah. So, but fuck them. Martin Lawrence had a um, comedy special years ago, years ago. And the only thing I really remember about him specifically in the special is that he wore an entire leather suit, pants and top. I thought about, and he looked progressively hotter and hotter and hotter. And I don't mean sexy. I mean, like physically, like he was on fire <laughs> throughout the process of this of this stand-up show and i'm like you're gonna give yourself a stroke martin take that off but anyways there's a point where he's talking about you know a woman dating um a crazy man and not knowing it 
And she didn't know he was crazy. She didn't know he was deranged. And she goes out and gets on her fuck'em dress and her fuck'em shoes and goes out to the club and does the fuck'em dance. So earlier today, I did the fuck'em dance. <laughs> of course, later on in the joke, the crazy dude shows up at the club in his pajamas because he was, in fact, deranged. <laughs> I think the actual the show might be called Deranged. Anyways, it's it was funny as hell. Of course they are. <sighs> Well, trust is a very transitory thing. And sometimes when you're in a moment, you don't recognize that you're, you don't recognize your own emotions in a situation. And you don't recognize that not only can you not trust this person, you don't trust this person and you never have. Yeah. Well, at the time, I, as I recall, but you know, my memory is. Yeah. It's been a year. It's been a year and a very interesting year. Um, as, as I recall, the uh, part of the other issue is that it wasn't just a matter of, I don't trust you with these words anymore. It was also, because if it was just, I don't trust these words, I th- I think that, you know, it, that could have led to the emotion, I'm going to take all of them down. But you didn't. And I, I, I never thought you would have taken down um, your finished works. But also there was the issue of you couldn't see yourself ever writing you felt very burned on the pairing and so you could never consider yourself writing that ship again and so because you would never write that ship again all of those works became unviable as as they were in your mind mm-hmm. um and so um i will give you a very brief summary of what happened some asshole emailed me bitching because they couldn't copy and paste from my website and asked me if i was ever going to make ebooks and i responded sarcastically and said i tell you what when i retire I'll put all my work on AO3 and you can make all the ebooks you want. Check back in 20 years. Well, she got butt hurt and took her ass or booty bothered over to a file sharing group on Facebook to complain about it. And I got a fuck ton of screenshots in about, oh, I don't know, two hours. All of it from this group. All these people bitching about me, telling me how awful I am and how dare I try to keep them from having words. They're, they're in there bragging about stealing my work and making ebooks out of it. And then they start bragging about doing it to original works as well and movies and music because apparently artists don't have a right to make money. So I got bombarded by all these fucking screenshots and I got really bent around the axle. And I went on Facebook and pitched a little bit of a fit and I named the group specifically. There should have been no question as to who I was talking about. I might as well fucking tag them. You know, it was right there. Okay. Um, and I left a couple of um, groups that were part of the Harmony pairing, like, I don't know, four or five. And there was one in particular that I left um, who the admin of that group pitched a big giant fit, thought my post on Facebook was about them, launched a bashing thread that I, I don't know, must have had two or 300 responses. I got screenshot after screenshot after screenshot after screenshot of people having this big giant argument in this group about me. And about me taking down my work. And then he accused me of banning all the individual members of his group from my EAD community. And I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to know who they are? Because what that was, what had happened was, what had happened is I went over to EAD and, and hid all of my Harmony excerpts. They're still up there. You, just, you guys just can't see them. So they thought that I had individually banned. I mean, and there were like 5,000 people in that group at the time. I don't remember. I mean, I remember that that was when we discovered many people were part of, I had no idea many people were even in the Evil Author Day Dream With community. Um, and I thought, how in the, and so I went and looked and I'm like, how in the world would you even be able to figure out who, who the Harmony members are 
of the EAD community? And were you really going to, did they really think you were going to troll through um, all those people? I wouldn't have done it for one, right? Right, Dark's right. I wouldn't have done it for one person, much less 3,000. And then, to make it worse, he goes over to Reddit to repeat all those lies again. Well, what happened is they shut down the, the... the group basically ostensibly has a no bashing of authors or works in there, although it happens all the time. Um, no bashing of authors or works in their community. And this thread was apparently bas- when an admin wants to do it. Right. But this was a basically admin um, facilitated bashing thread. And eventually several members said, hey, wait a minute, this is not, this is unacceptable. It's not called for. Well, by the time some of the other admins woke up to how bad the behavior was and shut the thread down, the damage had been done. So, by that point, I had all the screenshots. Right. But nobody could say anything. Everybody who was angry on behalf or angry about seeing this behavior or who was angry on Kira's behalf could no longer say anything. Any posts they put up saying they were unhappy with the behavior were deleted. Any comments they put on other threads were deleted. So people were kicked out of the group. So one person went to Reddit and said, I am just really super disappointed by the behavior I've seen today. Um, this is not supposed to happen. And now we're being silenced after, you know, after hundreds of bashing messages, we're not even allowed to say how unacceptable we thought that this behavior was. So then this admin who facilitated this whole kerfuffle comes onto Reddit trying to justify why it was okay that they'd done this. But he didn't expect me to show up on Reddit and call him a liar. So that happened. Um, And all of it, it was because, well, because I took down my EAD works, really, basically at the root of it. I also left his group and maybe he didn't like that. And while I was in the group, I did, whenever I saw bashing, I called them on it. And apparently he didn't like that. And apparently I was high maintenance because of that. You know, for, for making them follow their own goddamn rules. But whatever. Apparently having me there to remind him of the rules was really stressful. But, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see, I mean, and at that, and I don't know where you are in this process yet right now, which doesn't even matter, but you had thinking you might rework some of the stories or you might never finish some of the stories. And it's like, you just didn't want them up if they were works in progress. Um, and at the time they were representative of emotional hot button. So it made perfect sense that you would pull them, but I could see how, when you kind of had an epiphany about this stuff is mine and you don't get to tell me what I'm going to do with it, that you would feel differently about it. I just, I just, the thing is, is I invested a lot of time in that group. Yeah, that what they did was just terrible. And it was, I mean, and also when I left the group, I, I put an, a, a, little, a little simple note up. I didn't, it wasn't about drama, hoping them, you know, wishing them well with the pairing and hoping they found good things to read going forward. And I needed to take a little break, but that got deleted. They never published it. Um, it got deleted. So I left the group without any other. I watched it get deleted, basically, because it was like in the queue waiting to be approved. Because suddenly, after I pitched my bitch fit on my Facebook wall, all their messages got, what you call it, moderated. And it was in the moderation queue for five, six minutes, ten minutes, and then it was gone. But when I went to the main group, it wasn't there, so I realized they deleted it. And I just left the group. And I unfriended all the admins because I was only friends with them because of the group. I unfriended a lot of admins from different groups. and <laughs> um, But... They were the only one. He was the only one that pitched a big giant ass fit. Like I was, res- like it was like he thought I had a, res- like I had an obligation to be a part of the group. Like I didn't have any choice in it. It was very weird. It was very bizarre. Very entitled. Um, but it's it's a very entitled ship. Um, that 
that particular pairing um, really has that. And the funny thing, I've noticed this actually sometimes with small ships and big fandoms <laughs> is they often think that they are, um, and it's not actually, it's not even small ships and big fandoms. Anytime people get together around a single pairing, we are here for the love of this. They start to think that they are everything because they're in an echo chamber. You know, they're not getting any other they're not taking anything else in. It's just, it is this and only this. I've Every time I've been in a ship-focused fan space where it's one ship and one ship only, and there's no room for anything else, um, it is, it's a horrible, horrible echo chamber. And they start to think that um, they're all that matters in that fandom. Are you fucking serious, Bibbidi? <laughs> I can't even with that shit. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I mean, I did take my work down. I, I, it was like protecting them. I wasn't going to work on them, and I didn't. They're kind of like my babies. They're my word babies. Well, when it, you know, we talked about don't give your don't give your um don't give your uh your book your original fiction to a publisher until you're ready to let it be their product. Well, I think when it comes to fan fiction, you can't let the world have it until you're ready to let the biggest asshole comment on it. Um, uh, yeah, that's like a great analogy. <laughs> Um, and, and at that time, and for the last year ish, you haven't been ready to let a harmony reader comment on those stories. I don't blame you at all. So it's just, it was a really frustrating experience, but I, like I said, I had an epiphany and I mean, I knew intellectually that all that shit belonged to me. I've, I've always known that ever since I was very young and I was very like, when I was like, I'm going to tell you how ridiculous I was as a, um, as a young author. Around the age of 14, I had completed three novels. Um, and I decided that I needed to file for copyright. <laughs> so I asked my mother to take me to the library because the internet didn't really exist then. Well, it existed, but not, you know, it. you know what I mean? I mean, this was in 1989. I didn't have internet at home. Um, and... Um, but basically, I don't think the internet really exploded for me as like something that was in my life until like 1995. It just wasn't a thing I had when we had a computer that used cassette tapes in my house. Anyway, so we go to the library and I tell her I need to look up copyright information so I can file for copyright on my novels. And she's like, okay, honey, <laughs> because she was all about supporting me and doing this, right? So I go read and I check out a whole bunch of books on copyright law because I am serious as a series as a 14-year-old writer can be, right? And um, I was all in it. I, and I, 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 copied, I copied the applications out of the book. And I was like, I'm going to do this. But then it cost money. And mom offered to pay for it. But I was like, well, that's a lot of money. I forget how much it was at the time. But I felt like it was an unreasonable amount of money. So I didn't do it. But I did think about it. Like, like 14 years old. The, 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 these were my words. They're terrible. These are my words. And I own them. I'll make sure everybody knows I own them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> but what i also learned is that there's intellectual copyright attached to your words the moment you create them and also you don't want to copyright a rough draft because you will also have to copyright your final <laughs> yeah the every version is but the thing is when it comes to copyright um okay if, if let's say it ever went to court the 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 minute differences between drafts are are about that that is kind of like the minutia of who gets to make money off of it it's not about actually proving who right. owns it intellect who owns the intellectual property and really the only time you need a copyright filing is if you're in court right because so, so like usually if your publisher has paid for your editing 
they own that the copy that has been edited because you didn't pay for that editing usually. So they own the edited copy. So even when you get your rights back, it odds are they're going to own the edited copy. Odds are. It depends on how your contract's written. They can't use it. They can't sell it, but you can't use it either. Right. So down to. Right. So basically that 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 version of the story that was sold for five ish years by your publisher, um, that they paid to edit though that that final rearrangement of words, that is that that version of it can only be sold by the publisher if you grant them additional license to sell it. But once that license to sell it has run out, then it's just an it's in it's in a limbo where nobody can make money on it. You can't make money on it and they can't either. So that's it matters the version that you copyright because if you go to court and you're proving I didn't sell that exact version, look, this is the version of my version, you know, you're comparing it, it's like it it's it's you know, it's a it's a you know fine it's a, a compare and word going, yeah, there's some subtle differences here, but it's obvious that this is the same work. So when it comes to copyright, you really only need one copyright, but it, it you don't want to copyright the version that your publisher paid to edit because you don't actually own, I mean, you own the copyright of that work, but you don't actually own that version as saleable. So the copyright law is so nuanced and weird that actually probably if I like had a copyright vault, I would probably check in the version that I send to the publisher, not my rough draft, because that's just pointless, but the version yeah, that I, I would do the version I sent in. Yeah. Unless my publisher asked for changes. If my publisher said, you're going to have to cut four chapters out and, you know, change six things. Whatever final version my publisher took to edit is the version I would check into my copyright vault. Now, she said four chapters and my immediately, I wouldn't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, a lot. That's a lot. That is, that is, no. <laughs> nope. I, 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 can't, I, I can't imagine that actually happening, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could have a you could have a publisher say, "Hey, we really like this, but it's a little too long. Can you can you shave twenty thousand words off of it?" That's four four good chapters. Yeah, and the one time I had that offer, I said no. And either either you're going to shave off a subplot, and you're going to shave a little bit off of every chapter, you're going to say no, or you're going to just find some chapters, some a bunch of scenes that are just sort of. Odds are, if your publisher really just read it and really just found that it was about twenty thousand words too long, they're saying you got a pacing issue or something. They found something yeah. extraneous in there. But although somebody told me that my story was a little bit too long and they didn't give me any guidance about what they felt was extraneous, they just wanted twenty thousand words shaved off. I'd submit it to a different publisher because it wasn't extraneous. They wanted me to remove a background uh, lesbian pairing. Oh, I'd be like, "Fuck you!" No. So I said no. And they came back um, a month later and were like, okay, they offered me a contract um, for it as is. And I told them, I said, okay, I want you to put it explicitly in the contract that your editor will not ask me to remove a single scene featuring one of my lesbians. <laughs> and they refused. And I said, well, you know, you can go fuck yourself. And then I sold it to a different publisher a month later. <clears throat> You're not taking my lesbians. <laughs> Not to be a lesbian about this, but I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's just, it's so rude. It's so rude. It is. I, um, I would not say it was ballsy, but thank you for saying so um, in the chat. Um, what it was, was, and what it always, and what is that publication was never my goal. It's something that happened to me and I was really grateful for it and I really appreciate it. And um, it was lovely and all that jazz, but it was never something that I considered my goal as a writer so I could take it or leave it. And a lot of people in the industry had a problem with that. 
They didn't understand me. They still don't. You little weirdo. Because it's never been about... Well, it's not about money. It's not about being published. It's about being being read. And I can be read online all day, all, all damn day long. You know, right. it's, about, well, see- it's about sharing my words. It's about being with other writers. It's not, it was never about that. Well, I think it was fun just- to see my book on the books on the shelf. It was fun. Yeah, that would be cool. But I mean, but the thing is, uh, brick and mortar bookstores, I don't, I don't think there's one near me. So, um, by the time I decided I was ready to let my book be somebody else's product, bookstores were kind of becoming a legacy. But, you know, that's a, that's a. I mean, we've got, I've got a Books a Million and a Barnes and Noble within 10 miles of my, um, 10 miles of my house. Well, but I live up in, you know, Birkenstock yeah, yeah. and Flannel Central. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, being a lesbian, I thought you'd be at home. <laughs> I'm I mean, just I, I, <laughs> Don't I come am. for me. I am. I'm just kidding. But this is this is the town where they will, you know, they'll escort you to the city limits if you haven't figured out how to do your composting. So, you know, just (laughs) (laughs) you better get on that. Um, They'll escort you to the city limits in a in a procession of Prius. (laughs) Yeah, a procession of Priuses. That's right. Um, And they're and they're they're a little vexed that we even have to have a hybrid. Why aren't they all electric? (laughs) Birkenstocks with socks. That is a crime. That is actually. My favorite way to wear, to favorite way to oh, wear Birkenstock, no. but she is anti-sock. I am anti-sock. I'm actually anti-sock and anti-shoe, but uh, sh- being outdoors without shoes on is gross. So, you know, I have to wear something. But I mean, actually, I did get so cold during during the power outage during the ice storm <laughs> that I actually did wear socks. <laughs> well, you know. You know, it had to happen eventually in the, you know, this year. I mean, it only got down to 50 degrees in the house. <laughs> only. Yeah, but yeah. So you know, I had a little epiphany, and it was actually it's a very relieving process. That that was a very relieving ten minutes that I had, because I mean, my first brush with this kind of terribleness and fandom would um um um, happened in the Sentinel, and it wasn't even readers; it was other writers. Well, they were pretending to be writers. I don't know. You know, one even called themselves a big name fan. Um, (laughs) I'll give you a word of advice: writer to writer. If you're listening to this, when you're emailing another writer, don't call yourself a big name fan. No, it's just so. Because I almost laughed myself off my chair. That's how I found out what a big name fan was. What's the fuck is a big name fan? Uh, well, you're talking big, to one. <laughs> the big big name fans are the, 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 the big, the well-known author in any given fandom. The big name in that fandom. Which is just, it's just a still, it's just... It's, just a, it's, it's not even in fandom it's in any kind of it's not just in writing it's in any kind of fandom so it's not just authors so like i mean when i discovered that there are big name fans for township i have to admit i laughed my ass <laughs> off we're not big name fans for township are we no 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 um so. like like people have actually created fan pages for this one player like whatever um it's a fucking my mom farm. would aspire my mom would aspire to shit if she knew about it <laughs> Kira's mom m- might be a big name fan in Farmville or Farmtown or whatever the fuck it's called. I think she probably is. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you think of like when you think of a fandom, you might think of one or like you might go, "Who are the who are the authors you think of of a- an author when you think of a fandom?" Like you think of um, you say Stargate, I say Lady Raw, uh, Lady Raw for sure. I think of um, um, Sephiroth, Star- yeah, yeah, um, um, Astolot. Asked asked a lot. That's what I was going to say. It's an A name. Asked a lot. Um, so, and that you think of um, when I think of NCIS, yeah. You know, when I think of NCIS, I think of um, 
Lady Raw and also Lit Gal. Those are two of the big names for me, but Xanthi. Um, uh, what's it? KSL. Um, but I mean, to my knowledge, people have never acted like big name fans. But when I mean, you think of it, but so there was this whole culture around BNFs for a while. Um, like weird, weird, like fan. I don't know. It was just weird. I, I can't, the Don Chick. She wrote Freedom is Just Another Word for Nothing Left to Lose and tore my heart out. She tears my heart out once a year. And some, 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 some authors transcend a lot of fandoms. You just really associate them with fandom in general, like just as fan writers. Um, <laughs> oh, Girl, put her in the sin bin. <laughs> all right. We haven't had to be in the sin bin in like two days. <laughs> that was like throwing us like waving a red flag in front of a bull. But you did. <laughs> But so, but yeah, the, the first time I got called a BNF, I was like, we were on the podcast and Lady Holder called me a BNF. I said, shut your mouth. No, I'm not. This heifer went over to fan lore and read my own damn bio to me where I am indeed called a, la- a latter day BNF in the Stargate fandom. But I probably in- have that status in Harry Potter as well, um, being what it is. And it's just, it's, it's dumb. Um, it implies that some fans are better than others, and that's bizarre. Um, it encourages people to treat you like a product, or like you're not even a real person, like you're a fic machine. That if you kick, if if they kick it enough, it'll start producing again. It's gross. Well, but but it also includes it also by I think that terminology. It's like I mean because because yes, they're saying this person is a fan too, and I get why the term was picked up in fandom because it transcends more than it was picked up in fandom for writers it's because it transcends more than writing it's because it's used in video games like who are the popular streamers and you know but basically it's who is the popular content creator of some type and it's it's not i mean it's one thing to say that somebody is um um a popular writer or a prolific writer or whatever it's another thing to say that they are somehow differentiated from any other fan because i don't think that um and to see a writer email me and use that status i'm a big name fan in a way of trying to manage my behavior and also dictate to me what I could write because that was the point. They had a problem with the awakening. They thought that Blair was too strong, that he, um, that I had not written him in the way that was the fandom standard and that I had not followed the, um, established characterization for the character in fandom. And if I'd only known that one of their rules was that he couldn't top, Jim Ellison would have got banged like a drum in The Awakening. <laughs> oh, if I had known. If I had, oh, if I had known. I can't even tell you what kind of missed, that missed opportunity haunts me. Yeah, it kind of haunts me too, now that now that you bring it up. The thing is, um, is they want Blair basically to be a girl with a dick. And maybe not even that. They may not even want Blair to be getting any at all. Just subjugated to Jim's. We can't go down this. I'll get. I'll get pissed off. We can't go down the whole bizarre, weirdo culture that evolved around Blair. In because honestly, it was all about homophobia. Yeah, that it was. was all, yeah, that was. It, everything. Yeah. Every all the toxic stuff that occurred in the in the Sentinel fandom in terms of writing tropes and stuff. That was all homophobia homophobia based it was that was all these two have great chemistry there's no other there's no other romantic relations to put on the show but we're not going to actually write gay ew so we're going to do every unhealthy thing we can possibly do to avoid that so blair is going to be a eunuch and um 
uh, he's going to just live in a, a sexless life, giving Jim everything he needs while Jim goes on with his life and gets married. It's just uh, Jim Ellison. All the gyms. If we're going to have a challenge called Bang Jim Like a r- Drum, just just pick out your favorite gym. <laughs> pick a gym, a j- pick a gym, a James, a Jimmy. Jimmy Palmer could get banged like a drum. That'd be fine. <laughs> I'm just saying if I'd known, if I'd only known. <laughs> Let's see, I have a particular headcanon when it comes to Sentinel and guide bonding sex that Sentinels need to do the, usually do the penetrating because of the, yeah. the, the because of the sensory stimulation. But I'd be perfectly happy to skip the bonding sex and write uh, hey, it's my turn to bottom sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, it, it's just, it, it haunts me to this day. I have no idea what, what an opportunity I missed to troll. Um, but it's, so there is that, that culture there. And when you have a large group of readers, um, there can be this mentality in fandom that you owe your audience something and that you owe your readers, your time, your attention, your, um, your words, your, and you're also required to take on board their, their advice, their wants, their desires. And it's like, no, bitch, no, I don't. You don't own me. (laughs) Don't make me sing. (laughs) It won't be pretty for any of us. It's just, it's a very frustrating the I, feel like, I feel like the Scott Defense Squad has been beating people up on somewhere in fandom lately because they're beleaguered. <laughs> they're beaten down. It can't be any different than the Ron Weasley Defense Squad. Ridiculous shit. Actually, well, there is something insidiously different, but with the with the one the the uh, Scott McCall Defense League or whatever the hell they call themselves, they actually do have a name. They Are you serious? Oh yeah, 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 bitch. Okay, no, no, go no. ahead, go no, ahead. No, no, I think I think they have a Tumblr. lay it on me. I'm pretty sure they have, have a Tumblr. Lay it on me. Um, <laughs> the difference is, is that eventually, eventually, in if, in the fandom discussion, it doesn't happen in every fandom discussion, but I've w- w- witnessed it in several, several, on Facebook and on Tumblr, um, on Twitter, which is where eventually, when you're trying to point out your your logical arguments in canon for why you don't like Scott, is eventually it gets flipped, the table gets flipped, the the other side flips the table and says, oh, you you're just a racist for not liking him, and it's like, okay, well that what? conversation just got shut down. Yep, that's it. See, see, see. They people in the chat have are, have had this happen to them because the actor is is Latino. So because if you don't like oh, that, but, char- but but Scott's not. Well, I think he's supposed to be half in in. I, but they don't really explore that in canon at all, really. Other than I guess Melissa. I think he calls his grandmother his abuela. Other than that, which you never see, I I, I don't think it's ever really explored. <sighs> oh, it is. It's called the Scott. It's called the Defense Squad. Thank you, Ellie. I told you. Ah, okay. Okay. Yes. His father is Hispanic. Okay. I mean, still, um, he's a dick. I mean, Scott's a dick. I don't think it's through his father, though. I think I think it's the implication in canon is it's from his mother. But anyway, that's beside the point. Anyway, but it, but it doesn't start off that way. It's like the more you argue, you go, but, but he did this and this and this, and his behavior is atrocious. Oh, you're just a racist. It's like, how am I a racist? What does this have to do with anything? Does that mean I also hate gingers? <laughs> <laughs> does that mean is it what is that is that about what is it who is it that you're hating ron weasley <laughs> sometimes she hates all the weasleys um and it may not even be the weasleys it could that could be very much the uh pruitt blood you know you might hate pruitts i might it's entirely likely actually <laughs> i have read more than one story where ron and jenny were filch's kids 
Um, <laughs> I actually read one where Percy was Fudge's kid. Charlie was Hagrid's kid. The twins were Sirius's. And Arthur had only fathered Ginny and Ron. That's trying a little too hard to make it sound like personality is a legitimately um, genetically transferable trait. I know. I know. <laughs> but it, it was crack, of course. It was crack. Um, look at what look at what Santa got wrapped around the axle over. <laughs> Dima, did you read it too? Because I really thought that the only two he'd fathered was... Ooh, oh, oh, Peter Pettigrew? Oh my God, that's so gross. But the story, it's I think so, I think some authors were really trying to lampshade why Ron and Ginny were not very impressive magically and the rest of the family were. And it's because their father was a squib. Hence, Argus Filch. Mm. I but think they are tasting that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, the funny thing is, I actually like stories that treat Filch a little better. I mean, I know he was a, he was a mean, grumpy old man. But, you know. But he also advocated torturing children, so. Well, true. But I think they just retired him, get him out of the school. He shouldn't have been in a school. Maybe the reason wizarding families don't have a whole bunch of kids is the more kids you have, the less magic you have to give them when they're in the womb. It just kind of gets, it just peters out. I'm just being an asshole. You have to ignore me. <laughs> but no, I mean, no, it's just, yeah, 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 it just peters out. I think Julie just put me in the sim bin. For what? Peters out? Yeah, peters out. You, that pun. I'll put you mm -hmm. in the pun bin. It's like a punishment <laughs> bin for bad puns. <laughs> that was a great pun. Um, Not Peter. There, Peter Hale sex would be fine. Peter grew sex, no. But the thing, the thing I would say about Filch and other squibs in the magical world, um, the ones that stayed, why? Yeah, why exactly? Especially why? Honestly, why did Remus Lupin stay? He could have found work in the Muggle world with no problem. Uh, I think you could. I mean, people are adaptable. You can learn. I'd rather learn. But that is just counting for the squibs that don't get abandoned in the Muggle world. That that apparently happened too. So apparently, this is the source of why everyone assumes that if there is Latino heritage from. Scott, this is what it comes from. It comes from an article or interview that Tyler Posey did, and this is what he said. This is the actor who's saying the guy who, who is half Latino saying the guy looks half Latino. That's <laughs> the dumbest thing I've <laughs> He's a moron. <laughs> yeah, I will solve. But anyway. Uh, uh, that's just dumb. Did the reporter point out, well, you know, that's actually you on uh, the screen, right? And then here's the next part of the interview. Apparently in season three, we learned that her maiden name is Delgado, but that's the only time it ever comes up. Um, it says, so they say Tyler Posey may believe that Scott McCall is biracial because he's biracial himself, but I feel that perfectly sums up the problem with Teen Wolf. While they portray Scott as an all-American teen, they never address the most obvious aspect, his race. They shy away from it and then hint at it in season three, where we learn that Melissa's maiden name is Delgado. Um and this is from blackgirlnerds.com. It's an article they wrote about how Teen Wolf, um, their supposed colorblind narrative, did pretty much the exact opposite intended it to do. Well, the thing is, is that not liking Scott doesn't have anything to do with the actor. Shouldn't have anything to do with the actor. Um, I mean, I don't like what's his name, but I have no problem with other Oompa Loompas. <laughs> Who is what's his name? And what's the Oompa Loompa? The giant Oompa Loompa? The, 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 the one that was the orange, the, the great orange one? How do you say that? Oompa Loompa? Am I saying it wrong? King you're Chido? saying um, you're um, saying, oh, 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 the Oompa Loompa. Yeah. Oh, the apricot hellbees. I, like, I still like the other ones. I mean, I've oompa never met another Oompa Loompa. 
I mean, I like them. Yeah. They make candy. What's not to like? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, liking or not, actually, the thing is, if you can hate a character and like the actor, that's actually pretty much saying a lot, right? Um, but sometimes you like a character and like the actor. Sometimes you are like me and you don't have a whole lot of opinion whatsoever about most actors and actresses because, honestly, I don't want to know. I actually have met enough actors and actresses in my life to know that I don't I, I don't like most of them. So I had I don't want to make that association. I don't want to make my enjoyment of my entertainment dependent upon liking or not liking a celebrity. Like here said the other day, I'd like us to get back to the point where we could just, you know, you know, when they need a new Darren on um Bewitched, we just get a new Darren. Yeah. That's the right did I get did I get the right did I get the right show? Yeah. I mean, you know, we could have I mean, I don't know why we couldn't have just had a little screen at the front of Criminal Minds saying that Aaron Hotchner is now, now being played by Richard Armitage. I really, really wanted that. Anybody got a problem with that? Nope. No. You got a problem with that? Sit down. <laughs> um, sometimes a recasting allows the plot to go on. And it, um, and it, so allows- it was just a recasting. They didn't kill the character off. They just moved on. So we need to get back to doing that because the character is important. The character should be the most important. Yeah, it should be the characters most important. And that way, when an actor does something that appalls the entire planet, they can just put somebody else in and the show goes on. Um, instead of us all face palming, you know, um, and wondering what we're going to do with our, you know, our Aaron Hotchner, Spencer Reed plot lines and kind of just going, well, that sucks. We, you just get a new actor. Just put somebody else there. So, um, yeah, so I try not to. So I don't I don't really I've never really had an opinion about any of the actors. Um, but I just know that there's nothing about Teen Wolf that makes me think that um, Scott McCall is any kind of any way emblematic of a, a Latino family, his family, but they have no, there's no Latino culture depicted. But even if there was, even if that was a deep part of his, that is not why he's disliked as a character. If people disliked it's him- It's because from, he's a dick. If people disliked him because his family was from Mexico, that would be racist. If people dislike him, because he betrayed his best friend, that has nothing to do with, Repeatedly. with with his upbringing or where he was born. But yeah, that is the card that is played. You argue with people for a little while and they go, oh, you're racist. It's like, I hate that particular table flip. It's like, <sighs> if someone said that to me, I'd say, oh, and you're a dumbass. Now what do we do? What I would say is that just because someone says you're something doesn't mean you have to acknowledge it, defend it, or in any single way give it value. My fingers are kind of purple sounds like gray nodes are you cold are your i'm fingers, very cold are your yeah it's gray nodes what's that gray nodes is a circulation issue with your fingers to help happen can happen with your fingertips your toes sometimes your nose or your i get it on my lips and my nose sometimes and my toes i don't really get it on my fingers that much but you need to um warm them up sometimes you can soak them in some not hot water but warm hot water could be kind of painful um tuck them under your tits <laughs> tip of the day just tuck your hands under your just tuck your ice cold hands under your tits it works um i mean did I, I eat yes i had calamari for dinner i mean you have autoimmune issues and raynaud's can come on for people with auto autoimmune issues so they're a little pink now i'm, I'm rubbing them together <laughs> it was just weird i i, I looked down and i thought what the hell am i seeing shit <laughs> well armpits do work but sometimes armpits are stinky so if you've got big boobs, but our big boobs are a great hand warmer. I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just had this epiphany and I feel better. This is what it is. 
sometimes you just have to turn off the thing that is causing you. It, even if you've had that epiphany, sometimes you just got to take something that is um, giving you angst and you've got to put it on on pause for a while. And you gave that a pause and now you're ready to go again. It's sort of like sometimes I have some filters I turn on in Gmail sometimes that shuttles all of my site emails to a folder until I'm ready to deal with people again. Because sometimes I just don't want to people. I don't want to deal with weird demands. I don't want people asking me weird things. I don't want weird guilt trips. Um, I mean, honestly, I rarely want to people. I want a specific people, not all people. One of the most daunting things I experienced lately is when I go over to Twitter to post my fucking announcement, which I didn't do tonight because this was a podcast just for us on the server, um, is it will say down at the bottom that everyone can reply. and It'll have a little picture of the earth beside it and i'm like i don't want everybody to reply <laughs> i want everybody to fuck right off <laughs> but if you if you don't have that click then only people who you follow see it or i don't know anyway it's just daunting that they have this little planet of the earth right there this little earth symbol everyone can reply it's a little uncomfortable is all i'm saying yeah sometimes they give you some perspective about that and you're kind of like um hmm. It's a small world after all. <laughs> Minion Sue. I don't even know why we named our bot that. Well, our our um, site Twitter chat. It's it's a well, it's a play on Mary Sue, obviously. But yeah, um, well, we we created a we created it. We were doing we have an account on Rough Trade. We were using it to help us log in sometimes and check to permissions to make when we were setting up all of the front end posting and stuff we needed to see what regular and you said to me one day you said create an account so we can go and test this stuff and i just said okay i'm gonna create one called mary sue minion mm. and and then um you then when you created the twitter account you created minion sue i mean it just kind of was an evolution <laughs> yeah i think it would be better if it said anyone instead of everyone it right just, because it's <laughs> it does kind of make you go wait what because anyone is like that's sort of like when when you like when you, if you walk out the door and you've got you kind of you've got bedhead and you, you're in your jammies and um you're gonna go and get this is you getting a, oddly specific and you're gonna go get you a mcdonald's breakfast sandwich because you need a mcdonald's breakfast sandwich now and they're only serving breakfast for another half an hour and and someone says to you and they say, anyone can see you. And you're like, yeah, whatever. That's different from saying everyone can see you. And you're like, wait, who? What everyone? What everyone are we talking about? Let's be specific. <laughs> anyone could see you. Yeah, like any given day, anyone could see me. But no, everyone can see you. I feel like I need a minion bob right now because I just want to go find whoever's been distributing my stories behind the scenes and go, would you stop, please? It's so fucking rude. It's just, it's honestly, it's really fucking rude. Stop. I do want a minion, Bob. I didn't even I might even admit I actually I've already got a minion dick. She's uh she's the head dick. The head dick in charge. I'm so polite. Actually, that's probably true. <laughs> um, Cinna said once I got really I got really bent with somebody in an email and I copied it to the bitches <laughs> what I'd said in this email. Um and I was snarky out for me it was very sarcastic. But Cinna called me after it. She goes, Oh, the princess of the biting politeness. And I went, What? <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> i was all puffed up and indignant i went full bless your heart on somebody in an email a couple months ago <laughs> i love you too Zeno. <laughs> i even was... ended i even ended it with have a blessed day <laughs> that was the email where i called the guy pickle <laughs> i called told him he was could be my house elf. i was gonna make him my house elf, and i was gonna name him pickle <laughs> God, what was, the, I don't remember why I went off on that. Why did I get so bent with that guy? 
sometimes they're you know i i don't remember <laughs> don't i don't remember. either i, I remember I think I got... at the time i feel like you were justified so whatever it was he deserved it he had it coming I think it was something like he told me my magical theory was poorly researched or something like that. And I was like, something, <gasps> <That bastard. laughs> something was, something was poorly. I don't remember. Something was, something in my story was implausible to him. And it was a, was a, I just, I can't even, I know. It's like, come on. Evernote logged me out. I mean, by the time I get something posted on my website as final, I don't want anybody's opinions about my grammar, my plot, my characterization. Because I've already done all that work that I'm going to do on this, and I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I've already asked for the opinions that I wanted to have. This conversation has already taken place. It was an A and a B, and you can see your way out. There's nothing I can do, especially when the story is older. Or there's just why would I? And also, what good does it do me to know that you don't like kid fic? I mean, what? What? Do, who cares? Who cares? Who cares if one person doesn't like kid fic, or if fifty people don't like kid fic? Who cares? I kind of didn't like Kid Fic till I wrote one, but I wouldn't have told an author that because who cares? It's not, that's my business to manage, not anybody else's. Yeah, Sebastian, the original pants penguin. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you need an element that you didn't know you need to your, un, until you're in the writing. Right. And you can plot all you want to. You can make all your character profiles. You can do everything you want. And then when you get into the writing, you're like, well, shit, I need a penguin. If I was streaming and told when someone came into my stream and told me they like the game I was playing, I would tell them to kiss my ass. I mean, honestly, because you put the name of the game that you're streaming in the fucking information for the stream. So they know before they even click on it that they don't like what you're doing. And yet they come in. I assumed that you would tell them to go fuck themselves or you would call them a cock-juggling thundercut and then tell them to go fuck themselves. So, so yeah. Oh, okay. I found it. It was about restoration. They were bent that I put Mpreg in my story. Restoration. They can kiss. They can kiss my ass. They can suck my dick. I really don't want them to suck your dick, though. So <laughs> I'll share you they guys. They'd probably the, be bad at it. The original pickle email. I'm gonna let Kira read it. No one comment for a second because I got to put it in two pieces. Uh, okay. You, do, you, do you want me to read it out loud? If you want to. Dear recipient, name omitted. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for your thoughtful comments to help inform me on the biological impossibility of male pregnancy or male preg as it's commonly referred to in fan fiction works. I have reread my story restoration and given additional thought in light of your missive. I love that. And must agree that with you that it's ridiculous to include something so far outside the realm of possibility in my Harry Potter fan work. I have so resolved to rewrite the story to remove this inaccuracy before i do so and to prevent fur further rewrites i must call on you to assist me in ferreting out any other impossibilities or or even improbabilities in my work i have very little time at the moment and i feel we are already friends so so could i impose on your time to research into me um, into the actual viability of transfiguration for me. And if you're willing to go that far, I'd like to pass you my entire research list. I'm sure you're a muggle, but I can't imagine that the Ministry of Magic would not be ha would not happily aid you in such an endeavor. Charms. I'm sure most of them are impossible, but surely there must be one or two I can use. Defensive spells. I hate to leave all my characters def defenseless, but if, I'm, if I must, so be it. I use an instant bruise removing bomb in my story would you kindly check into its commercial availability and just 
all the potions, I suppose, wards. I've long hoped for these on my own home, but if your research doesn't bear out their existence, I'll strip them right out of the story and take them off my birthday wish list. <laughs> Girl. Apparition flu travel and port keys. I'll be anxiously awaiting your results because I'd hate to make Lucius walk anywhere. You mentioned that you subscribed to my site so that you would be informed as to updates on emergence and weren't expecting anything as ridiculous as mail prank from me. I apologize for the rude shock to your system when that update came out as it's perfect segue into the next topic on your research list. Would you kindly check into whether it's possible for humans to shift into dragons? I fear I may have to do a rewrite there too. I'd ask you to validate the reality of other planes of existence, but I fear you have already, I've already given you too much to do. I find myself suddenly sad. In 2015, it's to be my year of accuracy in writing. I think I'll have to give up writing in science fiction or fantasy genres because genres, genres, it popped out. Because I don't have the time to research the existence of the Stargate, if the government would even give a straight answer. And Sentinels and Guides are notoriously tight-lipped about their gifts. Pooey, I think it must take less time to just get rid of everything I've written and focus on crime dramas. At least I can be rest assured those are accurate. If I had to deal with procedural or scientific accuracies in there, I don't know what I would do. Although my new commitment to accuracy demands me research before I write. Please add NCIS and the Behavioral Analysis Unit to your research list and let me know if they differ from the show. I can't imagine that they do, but better safe than rewriting or retracting. If we have time later, later in the year, you've been so generous with the time that you've given them to do this, we can check into the 5-0 unit in Hawaii and the crime labs in New York and in Miami. So, so happy for your collaboration as I move forward into reality-based works. With love and thanks, Jillian James. P.S. I feel it's safe to work on my memoirs while you research. That was round one. And then he responds and says, I thought you were an intelligent person, but you're just snide. You're, but you're just snide and sarcastic. Everything I said about the biological impossibility of MPREG is factually true, but your response was stupid. Unsubscribe me from your site. I won't be reading any of your stories in the future or recommending them. To which I said, and this is where Pickle comes from. Okay. What? Are you resigning? I was prepared to take you on as my house elf in charge of research, and you're just going to quit? After I've already cleaned out the front, <laughs> the front closet and stocked up pillowcases and tea towels? That's a fine thing. I was going to name, I was going to name you Pickle. It's <laughs> I can't believe you, Jillian. Oh my god. I forgot this. I literally forgot this. It's probably just as well. I was researching for an introduction to logic class to send you first thing. Couldn't have you representing my house with such flawed thought processes. Throws a sock at your head. <laughs> You're free. <laughs> As I mentioned, I'm quite pressed for time these days, so I have no time to figure out how to unsubscribe you from site notifications. And I just lost my head research. Uh, my head of research. Go figure it out for yourself. <laughs> Did he ever respond again? No. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't think he, I think he was, he was never going to get anywhere with me, but I pickle <laughs> pickle. That's where pickle came from. <laughs> but here's the thing. There are actually scientists right now working on the ability for men to carry babies. They're also working on a way for women to have babies without men. So that's science that's actually being done right now. 
they're working on it. It's going to happen someday. So, and the thing about this is I usually just ignore people, but this is what happens when I get pushed too far. Is <laughs> I go there. <laughs> well, think about men and women, the term man and woman. It's a social construct. Um, there are men on this planet today that have carried a baby to term. They identify as male. They live as male. They believe themselves to be male. They're men. So it's already happened. Because being a man or being a woman isn't about what you've got in your pants. Oh, bro. Well, there's no need to go there. <laughs> look at you. Finally earned your way into the sin bin. <laughs> yeah, look. We, we knew it was coming. Little asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Dark. <laughs> Baby's first bidding. It <laughs> happens to us. It, 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 everybody gets their day. That's why it's red. Um, look at Kaya. She's all saying she hasn't gone to the sin bin. I think you, I think almost the entire server ended up in the sin bin that day. We talked about peeps. Um, <clears throat> well, the corner the time, there were 700 of us. The cor- corner is practically a tourist attraction. Right. At least the booze and the dick pics. That too. Yeah. He said something deeply unfortunate, which is how you get in the sin bin. The Turducken, that, there, there's a whole podcast on, on the Turducken. Um, but, you know, readers, there, there's this entitlement in readers and it can ruin you for fandom. I mean, we see it happen. We see writers just fuck off with their shit because they're done. They can't handle it. Um, you have some some asshole on AO3 plagiarizing you, and their readers are so invested in what they're stealing from you that they go abuse the original author. And I'm not even making that up. That actually happened. Yep. That was so ugly. And of course, when the original author stopped posting on the work, the, the cunt that was plagiarizing her announced that she just felt uninspired. Yeah, because the, you you couldn't you didn't have anything else to steal, you whore. I might have a, a fuse with that because I was actually really enjoying the story that got plagiarized. Yeah, it was good. <clears throat> wait, wait, wasn't Kaya the person? Yeah, responsible? I think the author wasn't Kaya the person responsible for the t- turducken beam. Um, is Kaya responsible for the turducken beam? No, oh, no, no. That was that was icy. That was responsible for the turducken beam. Yeah. No, that I remember who that was. Never mind. I was gonna say because I would put you in the sin bin retroactively for that, but no, I remember who it was. No, it even earned an emoji. We had to rename and redo the art for an entire podcast because of the turducken. <laughs> and um, we had I have I found some unfortunate turducken pictures that did not end up on the podcast art, but yeah, yeah. Okay, we were talking about the Stargate Atlantis episode where they removed the uh, Gould from Caldwell, and someone responds and they go, "Oh, when they use the turducken beam," and it was like there was this sudden freeze. It's like everyone paused, stopped, and went, and Kieran and stopped and went turducken, <laughs> and it just. And thus we were we were exposed against our will to the head cannon of the Asgard using the turducken beam to take gold out of human hosts. It really did dev- devolve is exactly the right word. And it only got worse. I mean, it was just like so we actually had to rename the podcast. That that podcast is up on Castbox. I find that stuff is easier to listen to on Cast uh, on Podcast Attic just for FYI. Um but yeah, and then, like, I don't know, like a week later, or maybe the next day, Lady Holder tags us both with this. Turducken. So, yeah. So, and now. Actually, what we discovered that Turducken was actually a delicacy at one time. And it was, it involved, but it evolved from a different thing that had like seven birds in it. It was like a dove and a hen and a goose, or in ch- a chicken and a goose and a turkey. 
I mean, it was just like a, a thing. But that podcast just went totally off the rails once we got. So it's like, it's called something like Tony Dino's on the Turducken Beam or something. Yeah, that's, I think that's exactly what it's called. <laughs> but yeah, now every time I think about that episode, I think about it's Stephen Caldwell on the Turducken Beam. Okay, so they're saying swan, goose, turkey, chicken, dove, songbird. So I guess it's songbird in dove, dove in chicken, chicken in turkey, turkey in goose, goose and swan. Wow. Well, the drift, part, the drift part was the Turducken's fault. It was a plot drift, but thing got, things got way out of hand. You can do it with mammals. Okay, what was it mammals be? Wow. When I click, when I search the words plot drift and Turducken, I get, an, the, my first hit is Amazon.com, plot drift, Tony Dinoza box and the Turducken. Why is the first hit Amazon? Oh, it's Amazon, Amazon podcasts. Yeah, I got invited to be on Amazon. Well, that's, here you go. I'll give you the Amazon link then. <laughs> I can't believe that shit's on Amazon. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, here's what she care put it in the summary. It says a bullet should have been enough. Also, we're sorry, Stargate. It's Emmeline's fault. <laughs> no, it's part of their free thing. It's free content. If what I have to give the future generations is that podcast, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. everybody needs to laugh. Although, honestly, I think Squeaky Wheel John was probably the... F no, the Dick and Bob show is probably the funnier podcast. I'm not even sure we could even breathe by the time we got through with the Dick and Bob thing. Although, Little League Seer Training also stands out to me as really funny. Really funny. I need to re-listen to that podcast. I don't even remember which one it was. It was definitely a plot drift. Yes, it was. But if you look in the um, podcast summary collab, they probably already identified it. If they haven't, you could probably ask, and someone probably knows. Um, but yeah, yeah. I got invited to Amazon like three months ago. Crazy cakes. Thing about Amazon, it doesn't have your name anywhere on it. So how do they? They're pulling the RSS feed from CastBox. Yeah, but you'd think it would have, like, there's, like, no identifying information on this podcast on Amazon. It's just so out there. It's just so random. Like, who is this? I, mean, I guess I could go back and do all my art again and put my name on it. Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. The one where Atlantis takes over the supply lost the supply list. John, I need you to dial. I'm trying to remember that one. Well, that does not narrow it down at all, Erte. She says, "I think that was what the one talking about lube." We talk about lube and dildos a lot. Although, oh, we don't talk about the production of dildos all the one all that often. No, but still, that that could be like anything the one where they talk like we could we could tag all of our podcasts like like friends episodes the one where they talked about lube and the production of dildos <laughs> what does that have to do with the topic <laughs> nothing shut up i'm not sending you sex slaves no wait i've got some volunteers i'm sending you two sex slaves <laughs> <laughs> good night, night. but uh, that 55 gallon of lube came up multiple times as well yeah Lady Holder's very fond of it. I'm pretty sure she's got a, a, a link to it, like, saved. Yeah, my, mom, my mama asked me about that. What are you going to do with that? I thought, I didn't order it. She said, well, it was in your things of things you'd looked at. I will never in my life go through 55 gallons of lube. I can't begin to imagine what I need that link for. She's like, well, I'm just asking. I said, Mama, do you, do you even know what it's used for? And she said, well, it just says lubrication. Hmm. I said, Mama, I think that's, you know, you know, like porn sets and stuff by that. I mean, I guess it could be research medical stuff. She said porn, and then she hasn't. I'm not clicking on it again. It'll show up on my list again, and I'll get more phone calls from my mother. But it actually says 55 gallons of lube for sex, personal 
Turn personal lubricant. Also, I'm pretty sure none of the brands of lube that I actually use are sold in 55-gallon drums. Probably for a good reason. Yeah, true, true. I'm very picky about that kind of thing anyway. <clears throat> yeah, I, mean, I guess if you are in another galaxy and you're cut off from Earth and you really want to get laid, you're going to take what You're going to be like, hey, this is better than butter, so I'll take it. But, you know. Better than butter. <laughs> I mean, I don't say, you know. I mean, when you don't have oil-based products are, well, butter's not really an oil-based product, but it's close enough for government work. Um, <laughs> I'll refer. I, can't, I can't believe it's not butter. Hey, baby, it's not butter. But, you know, depending upon the activity, whether it's olive oil or Crisco or butter, those things were all at one point in time a very viable option, no matter what some people say. Well, yeah, I mean, olive oil historically was probably, was used for as, yeah, a, as a sexual lubricant yeah and depend, or it might have been almond oil depending upon the region of the world where you're from in the world but um until the advent of condoms oils were very popular as as lubricants so um latex is the reason why we have to have latex being the latex safe lubes it's it's not because oil is an ineffective lubricant right exactly uh, I, I don't know if yeah. I, I don't know if i want to hear this crit Oh no. No. That that hardens. That hardens. That gets hard. Not not the fun kind of hard. The terrible kind of hard. The cement kind of hard. <laughs> Look, I don't say this lightly, but whoever wrote that needs Jesus. <laughs> she really doesn't say that lightly. <laughs> Start praying and stop fucking before you can't get what's in your ass out. <laughs> <laughs> You have made a poor lube look, choice, my son. Look, some people need Jesus, okay? They need that kind of guidance in their life. I don't mean his fans. I mean, actually, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that is, well, I mean, there's definitely some misconceptions about anal sex, for sure, out there. And and the things you can have. Because honestly, honestly, there are some times people get a little bit desperate and they're going to have sex with they're going to have use something odd as lube. It's just going to happen, okay? It, it's just going to happen. But if we're in the bathroom and you're making a, an ill-considered choice for sex, hair conditioner or lotion, sure. Soap, no. No. And it's always the soap they go for. Always the soap. It's like, do you not have any lotion or hair conditioner? No. But soap, always fucking hand soap. It's like, oh my God, no. Mm -mm. I mean, I cringe just the thought of it. And it didn't even happen into my ass. I mean, honestly, and I don't recommend it, but even cum would be a better lube than soap. Yeah, spit would be a better lube than soap. You need a lot of it, but you would spit. And there have been plenty of people who <laughs> You could <had> dehydrated. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, soap is just soap. No. I mean, I. Well, there's yes, actually I, a lube called gun oil. There is a, there is a lube called gun oil. It is, and it is a great lube, too, by the way. Which was hysterical because there were some Walmarts in the South that thought it was gun oil, and they're selling it in the they're selling it in the gum department. <sighs> oh yeah, there's some pictures. I want to say it's a Walmart in Alabama that was somebody took pictures of this display of gun oil personal lubricant on the counter where there's like they've got like shotgun shells and stuff. It's like, hey, I think you guys had a little stocking error. <laughs> well. I think I can. But yeah, actually, the, the gun oil lube, I, I personally particularly like the, for anal sex, gun oil silicon lube is really nice. I don't like silicon lubes for valid vaginal sex, but um, it's a deeply personal choice. Force Recon gun oil. That's very masculine. Hybrid silicone lubricant. Unscented. Nice. 
The perfect solution, this unique formulation is especially created to provide an unparalleled, luxurious, smooth texture, making this lubricant the ideal long-lasting glide agent for sex with a male or female, female or male partner, for sex toy or solo enjoyment. What are you reading? The product information for Force Recon Gun Oil. Oh, oh the gun oil. <clears throat> that is hilarious. I mean, just the idea of... I wonder I wonder how much gun oil got misshelved mis in Walmarts or, or all over the country. Because you know they have a chart that gets sent down from corporate to stock the shelves. Oh, ergo find, found the link of the gun oil being sold in the gun department. By the way, I have to tell you, I buy a bunch of stuff from... Um, well, I buy like two or three products, I guess, from this company, from the company Sliquid, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of those because I, I have an allergy that makes it hard for me to find skin cleansers that don't irritate my face. And they actually carry a um, intimate cleanser that I can, I mean, like, whatever, it's an expensive way to wash your face, but I don't care as long as I'm not itchy. Right. So, and they also make very nice lubricant too. So when I get a 20% off coupon from them, it's like, thank you, I'm going to stock up on, and they make a nice shaving stuff. And anyway, but they'll send me lots of samples because I order, you know, quite a bit of stuff from them. And they tend to just not, you know, I'm, they don't, they don't know my, who I am or what, but a lot of stuff they send me, I can't possibly use because it's, it, it'll be like a lubricant that it's for external use only, which as a woman, a lube that is external use only, what are you going to do with that? That has got to be jerk off lube. They don't yeah. say it. They don't say it explicitly, but it's, it says they don't say this is jerk off lube. But it says explicitly on the bottle not to use it internally. I'm like, well, what am I gonna? What am I gonna do with it? Yeah, slip and slide exactly. I'm not, what, what I, you gonna do with it? <laughs> actually, I, I don't. You, yeah, I donated it to um, like this um, city team thing. They take all kinds of health and personal care products for. Um, dealing with like homeless people and displaced families and stuff. I said, but lube, you know, like people who are homeless need lube. I'm like, all right, it's an external only lube. And she just said, I don't care. I love that. That's actually great. Here you go. So it got donated. I donated like six bottles of lube, <laughs> <laughs> but that was not the weirdest sample I got was not from them. It was this company called, that sent me this stuff called, um, basically a testicle deodorizer. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's wash your balls, okay? It's called it's called crop preserver, anti-chafing <gasps> ball deodorant. Yeah, that's what it's called. So I got this. And it's and they they sent me a full size bottle too, crop preserver, and I'm looking at it going, what is this? And I'm reading and I'm reading about it. I'm going, what is this? And I look it up. And it's it's ball deodorant, and I was like, and I'm supposed to do what with it? So so no no. So I asked them if they would take that too. They're like, sure. I'm sure that they'll. That, uh, my, my I, I, no, no. I mean, there's just some things you don't want on your boobs, and ball powder is one of them. <laughs> I just, I'm just not going there. Some things just need to go. But, every, but I'll say, I'll set these samples, and I'll be like, and the thing is, I get for whatever reason, I get lots of samples. Probably from the time when I was like paid to do product reviews for a while. This was a long time ago. But I still get weird samples that come in sometimes. And so I had like a giant shopping bag full of samples, and I was like, you guys will take all this. I'm like, we'll take it. I was like, okay, you can have it. <sighs> That's I actually hilarious, think though. I think the proliferation of manscaping ads are awesome because I don't think that women should have to be alone in feeling like they need to tidy up. I mean, honestly, one of the first things that went during the great big stay at home event that we're currently having is personal shaving. Because fuck that noise. <laughs> I haven't shaved my legs in a year. <laughs> I haven't shaved my I, pff, we might have people on the server who are 
I'm older than my legs have been shaved. So, <laughs> well, you're lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> don't come for me. <laughs> I'm coming for you. But, or it could just be I don't have much hair on my legs. And the older I get, the the less I have. Yeah. I just don't care. And if you're looking, and the thing is, if you're looking that close at my legs, if you notice the few hairs that are there, you're too close. <laughs> Social distance. <laughs> That's right. This is not socially distant. But yeah, so I had an epiphany and I feel better. And um, yeah. And it is International Fan Works Day, or in our community, we call it Evil Author Day because authors post stuff that they are giving you no commitment about ever touching again. And y'all are going to be particularly pissed at me. <laughs> Look at her. She's all proud and shit. Um, I think, I don't know. I think because what, what why? Because I. I, I hit a point with a story that I'm going to post. I don't know when I'm going to post it. Because I hit this point where I just was like, I'm going to have to rework this whole idea. And then I just kind of fizzled on it. Um, and it could be that going through it to prep it to post, because it's got some weird blanks in it that I need to either, you know, summarize what goes in that weird blank or just take the weird blank out. And there's some missing names and stuff, which like, oops. <laughs> um, um, I could, I could. Sometimes when you go through and you reread something, you solve some of your problems. But I know where I left it off. It was sort of like a, it's not going to be a fun spot for where I'm going to, anyway, whatever. People are going to be like, Jillian, we hate you. But that's okay. Evil Author Day isn't a promise. It isn't a promise. We're not offering you a rose garden. For a while, I had that song on my site, website. It was on the front page of my site. Never promised you a rose garden. I just wasn't meeting people's expectations. And I was just having to, I was just, I was just all... I was I was all but I was butt hurt because I was tired of people telling me how I wasn't meeting their expectation. And Kira sent me that that video and said, "Send them this." So I just put it on the front page of my website for like a month. <laughs> but here's the thing: it's weird that they even have expectations. I mean, it's crazy what their expectations are, but it's weird that they even have them. How can you have expectations for somebody you've never met doing something for you for free? I mean, and honestly, even if it's not free. Y'all need to give George R. R. Martin a break, okay? He'll finish that fucking book when he's good, damn, and ready. That's right. Yeah, that is actually 100% true. Says that people on the internet have more expectations for me than my mother does, and it's a little creepy. It's a lot creepy, actually. Don't expect much from me, and you won't be disappointed by whatever I give you. Yeah. And there's a thing. There's this funny little thing. It's like sometimes somebody will say something like, "I'll," you know, or they'll ask me, please don't punish us for what one person did or something, or don't take this down or, you know, um, somebody that somebody that people felt like me leaving AO3 was like punishing a bunch of people for what one person did, which it wasn't, but I can get how it can feel that way where people can feel like that because one person acted out when 200 people were nice about it, um, that everybody gets punished for one person's bad behavior. But sometimes it isn't that. I mean, I usually don't take overt actions against people. I mean, Kira might ban an entire country, but the most I've ever done was ban an entire library. And I didn't even know it was a library. <laughs> Brad. Brad. But she didn't ban the country forever. But anyway. Um, for a whole year. She banned it for a year. But I would just say that it's never my intention to, like, 
make because that's never that's never my goal right i'm never going to go i'm everybody's going to suffer for your mistake and i've actually seen authors make notes like that if you know i'm gonna i'm gonna make everybody hurt if the next person who bothers me that's never it but what happens sometimes is i've got more things to work on more things i want to work on more things i would like to do than i actually have time to do and sometimes my interest in a project will wane if and it's not a punishment thing it's just it wanes because someone will not quit bugging me and that's also part of setting a boundary and when someone accuses you of punishing them you need to tell them that my setting a healthy boundary for myself is not a punishment for you because a lot of people see boundaries as punishment and it's not and that's why it's like me putting that's why sometimes i have to put my site on pause where i let all my sites my emails go into a folder is because i know it's like this is the thing i want to work on right now and if people don't stop bothering me i'm not gonna I, if if the wrong person says the wrong thing about this project this i'm gonna i'm not gonna wind up working on it not because i want to punish them and not because i'd be doing it punitively but i the wrong it just it's you can sour on on an idea because somebody won't stop harassing you there is such a thing as the final straw yeah and sometimes that straw can weigh a ton it's just like really really today was the day that you were going to do this to me really because i woke up my pain levels are at nine i'm my pharmacist doesn't have my prescription i'm about to start my period and you're in my inbox asking me for shit you have no right to ask for there's a lot of times people they treat you like you're not even a human being like you're not a real person on the other side yeah and so it's not about the story or depriving people of that story or depriving people of it's not even about spite for me usually it's just about like the that one bit of harassment too much and i just lose interest in that project and i don't force myself usually to work on things i'm not interested in the only time i ever force myself to work on something that i'm not interested in is usually around like finishing up something that's almost done or it is because it's for a, a challenge i'm finishing up like i'm and participating in a bang and that happens sometimes like I, my interest fizzled out in this project in the very last chapter and i'm like well i gotta finish it anyway you just do it you get it done but that's not what I, that's what i mean but sometimes when it comes to what i'm actively working on creatively if i lose interest in something i'll move on to the next thing i don't force myself with my hobby to work on something that is causing me angst so that's why sometimes if i know that we're getting cro- close to that straw that I'm gonna just not let anybody have access to me. Hi, Daisy May. Good morning, Daisy. Should be happy, happy International Fan Works Day. I'm pretty sure it's actually morning, morning for Daisy. Like she's getting ready for porridge. <laughs> yeah, I had an epiphany. Things happened. It happens. We had a late night podcast to kick off EAD for us anyway. It's already EAD for we we rolled around EAD already for the people in New Zealand and the Aussies and. Um, those of you in the UK, it's been, obviously it's been, no, I'm good. It's been EAD for about eight hours now. When you have a chronic illness, you actually have a team of doctors. (laughs) I have a general practitioner, a podiatrist, a hematologist, a gastroenterologist, a rheumatologist, a gynecologist. I I feel like I'm missing one. I do have a dermatologist. Yes. Cause psoriasis. Um, that's seven. I also, I have those. I also have an endocrinologist. a, oh, and a dentist. Yeah, and a dentist. And I have a heart cardiologist and a pulmonologist and an allergist. And oh, I have a pulmonologist as well. So that's nine. And I have a neurosurgeon and a neurologist and a pain specialist. And I don't know. I've got some doctors. I can't even keep track of them. <laughs> well, you know, we have to make our own team. 
they don't team for us. We have to build that team ourselves. I actually, um, I actually went to my GP recently and said, I don't like this doctor, this doctor, and this doctor. We have to replace them. And she said, okay. She said, I don't actually like them either. It's like, all right, as long as we're. Oh, you only have about eight. Oh, okay. Um, but out of the pulmonology, because of asthma, you know, and so the rheumatology because of the fibro and there's questions about lupus and there's always questions about lupus. It has been for the past 10 years. Um, so it's a, it's a thing. Oh, and I have an endocrinologist because I have diabetes. That's 10. Isn't that what my diabetes doctor is, is an endocrinologist? Mm-hmm. I think the. I think we have all the same types of specialists. I think I think I have a cardiologist, and I'm not sure you do. I don't know, but I do have a uh, I do have a general surgeon that I'm a regular patient with, <laughs> which is terrible. But that's what happens when you get um, a lot of breast biopsies. You got to you, you yeah. have a surgeon. She also did my gallbladder surgery. So I do I do see a doctor who's a general surgeon, but I don't see him specifically for that specialty. But I see him for something else. But yeah. Um, no, no, she just, she had a, she had an epiphany about, uh, Kira had an epiphany about her fan works and right before International Fan Works Day. Really just mostly about my whole damn deal. And sometimes when you put your work out there on the level that I do, um, cause I recently passed 3.5 million words of published works on my sites. Um, not including like Revenant and Patient Zero on that because they're not complete well they're they're not finals so th- those didn't count in that um but everything else i did count so yeah and plus my professional works sometimes you get this you get in this terrible headspace and i've been in this terrible headspace for about a year because of incidents um and i just kind of had this epiphany about owning my words and that no matter what anybody says or thinks or does nobody else has the ability to own my words and it helped it helped a lot i would like um to write I want to turn Revenant into a book, but I also want to write Revenant in several other fandoms. And it is especially irritating, Revenant, and, and the circumstances around it. Because every once in a while, someone will send me an email asking me for the source material. I know. And I don't know if I'm being trolled at this point or what. See, no, I think because I mean, there's, there's a fair number of people who read your work who don't listen to your podcast. And that's mostly where you've discussed it. I know you've had probably one dream with post, but when you think you probably have like, 10,000 people who read your works, you know, just because uh, weren't that about 10,000 people who are members of your site? Um, um, I was approaching 15,000 members when I deleted my membership because it was killing my database. So, um, that's you know, that's a lot of people who read your works who probably don't tune into the podcast, or whatever, or don't and may not follow you on Dreamwood, so they don't know your feeling about um, the whole source material thing. The thing is, I mean, you know, I could say selfishly, if you ever were, fin- were to finish Revenant, we really got a really good canon for Revenant, you know, then we could like use your permissions page to borrow your stuff. And then when people say, what's the source material, we can point back to you. <laughs> It'd be like a whole full circle thing. People go, what's the source material? I go, I already credited Gara Marcos. But you not it, it, was, it was galling. It was galling at the time because a lot of people were treating it like I didn't have the ability to be that creative. That's how it felt. Now, it was probably just greed. They wanted more. I think that's what it was, is they they wanted, but it felt really insulting. (laughs) And I get it. I can see why it feels insulting, but I do think it was just they wanted more. They wanted to find what show was this based on so I can go watch it right now. And the thing is, I will say, that's kind of a tangent, is one of the things when people get really bent about fan fiction or fan works, is fan fiction spawns new fans over the original content. So, you know, there are people who are watching shows now that they've never watched before because they've read my work or, you know, because that they had never, which I don't, I don't mean there's a ton of them, but there are some, 
And then they get people that they know into it and it becomes a snowball effect. And then the astute creator recognizes that they're going to get more viewers for their content by not, you know, trying to stomp all over fan writers. Um, I think this was kind of that same thing. Like, oh, can we go off and watch the source material? But um, it, I could think, I think that I could see where it would feel really insulting. Like, I told you there's no source material. Why do people keep asking me this? I'll be honest, It from from my perspective, I was... I was getting really bent about people who kept trying to um, make it be like something else. Oh, this is just like the trill. Except no, that the trill got, are more that, like the gold. Right. <laughs> to be honest. Right. <laughs> if people kept trying to distill it down to a different concept. Oh, you're just taking this concept and doing something different. That's those are the ones that are me really irritated. I'm like, would you quit trying to reframe her creativity as being something else? I mean, if I had taken the inspiration from that, I would have totally said it. Right. Exactly. But Jilly was actually there when the idea full, like, bloomed full form in my brain. Yeah, we were talking. And you sent me the video. And, yeah. We were talking, Revenant talking. was inspired by the Johnny Cash song, The Highwaymen. We were talking, talking. Uh, like, on the phone. Like, a, well, not on the phone. We were on a Messenger Discord. chat, Discord. Messenger chat on Facebook. Was Messenger chat? Yeah. Mm. It was pre-Discord days. Mm. And we were on Messenger chat. And um, we were talking. And um, it just kind of bloomed. Yeah. All of a sudden, she just had this whole thing just kind of came out. We're talking about the, I've been, the, you know, I've been to this and to this and to this and to this. And what if, what if there's this spirit? And it just kind of just all just kind of was very organic. And then to kind of be constantly asked, where's your source material? I mean, it was like, it's, it's like, what if it, what if he really is, what if he has been all of these things? And so, and it was just, it was a really, really, it's just a big idea that went, just flew bloomed in my brain. Kira does show a lot of respect for crediting and for giving attribution, but one of the things you have to bear in mind is most people don't bother to pause in their consumption of those 15,000 people on her site. I would say probably, if you told me that a thousand people paused in their consumption to consider anything about the author, I would be shocked. You know what I mean? Um, they just don't pause to think about it. Unless they want to like send me an email berating me for you know, advocating domestic violence because of BDSM. Well, yeah, but that there are some just they some don't know the difference. There are just some crusaders out there against BDSM. You know, they they look at it as abuse, and you're a terrible person for writing it. I'm pretty sure that email was the first time I ever told somebody in email to suck my dick. They never they never sent me any other emails, so it was I guess it was very effective, and probably not what they expected to get. <laughs> probably not. My husband says I have no business saying that shit because of how I sound like a little girl. He said, do you know how ridiculous it sounds when you say that? I was like, suck my dick. <laughs> so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Anyways, so we're, um, I'm going to be posting um, something new. Something borrowed. And a lot of old blue. stuff. Well, we're not getting married or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I am going to be posting between, I don't know, five and ten chapters of a Mass Effect fic. So I think I'm going to probably like write up a um, like a summary of the game. I get or maybe like find some links for a summary of the games because damn. Um, I was gonna watch that. It's a lot. Scenes. It's like four hours, dude. And that's just the first game. Yeah, there needs to be like a plot summary. So I, yeah, I, I need to do some kind of plot summary for people who have no idea what Mass Effect is. So there'll be some context. I mean, I think honestly, without playing it. It's a very niche fic. So, yeah. But we're going to get a remaster in May. And I might play it for you guys. If you, if you want to see me play it. 
Because what I did with Mass Effect is I, is I told myself a story through gameplay. Um, and then after I finished, I was like, well, what would have happened if I'd have picked the other option when I was told that it wasn't a permanent solution? And how would that permanent solution come undone? How would it? And then I just kind of, it, it kind of bloomed in my brain. And I zero drafted it and then I started writing it and I'm 75 km. And for those of you who've played the game, my characters have just gotten the Reaper IFF from the collectorship. <laughs> Again. So, and I had a, I had a thing um, where in the original game, Edie is unshackled. She's an AI because the ship is invaded. Well, that invasion won't happen. And I was trying to figure out how to unshackle her um, because she's come from the future. She's, she's kind of barely shackled it's something that she could break through but she feels like that jeff has to do it um but there's gonna but i've plotted a circumstance situation where she's gonna come out like a boss um and win his trust in a different way so i'm really looking forward to it i think it's gonna be really awesome and actually one of my favorite parts of mass effect 3 was the the romance between this ai um cyborg and the pilot i thought it was adorable so so I'm definitely going to have to read a summary. I mean, I um, I did some, I mean, I, I've never, I'm never, if I'm really enjoying a fic, um, I will sit down and do some um, uh, research so that I can, I can keep going. I mean, we were, we were doing some audio tests one day after the first, I think it was the first Quantum Bang. Mm -hmm. Karen and I are doing audio tests and um, we were doing an audio test. We just picked a, we picked a, a story at random on Quantum Bang. It was a fandom I didn't know. And I'm not, I'm not going to say the fandom because I don't want to call any, anything out. But it was a fandom I didn't know. But we were doing audio tests by taking turns reading from this fan fiction. Um, and and then later we would check the quality. We had to take turns because we needed to make sure both of us were level. And um, it was banging. I mean, the writing quality was just so good. And I was just like, I don't have any idea what's going on. Do you? Kira's like, no, I don't nope. Have, I, nope, I have no idea what's going on. So, I, Meanwhile, like, we're both getting on Wikipedia at the same time. <laughs> we didn't <laughs> figure this shit out because it was so good. I was like, well, who are these people? I have to go find out. <laughs> what do they look like? What is this? It was really... It was really who, who do I need to ship? <laughs> yes. Am I, who am I supposed to be shipping here? Exactly. So, uh, I mean, when I really like something... Um, if I'm enjoying the writing or if I know the author and I don't know the fandom, you know, I'll go get the wiki up or I'll watch an episode of something to, to at least get a vibe for better yet. The author gives me something that I can follow completely. Some, some canons are too complicated to be able to follow completely um, with, you know, without some dip into a wiki or something or reading a summary or something like that. But, you know, that's one of the things I like about procedurals is because an author can just go into a procedural usually and give you a story that you can follow without knowing yeah, anything I, about the show. Mass Effect has an awesome wiki. It's very great. It has lots of images. It has breakdowns on missions. But I do think I probably need to provide some kind of small summary for each game just to give a little context. So I might do a forward. I don't know. I'll think about it. It'll, it'll probably be the last thing I post tomorrow. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes, but let's end this podcast. Cause I want to ask Senna a question, but I don't want to record it. Okay. Okay. Unless there's happy, something else you want to talk about. No, I'm going to say, I just want to say happy Valentine's day to all of you who care about that thing. Um, I love all you nutter butters. Um, and, uh, happy international fan works day. I hope you guys find lots of stuff to read and that you're very polite and leave great feedback to the authors participating. It is for some of us, it's not comfortable to share works in progress outside of Rough Trade. So be kind, be thoughtful, and just, you know, be nice. Be nice for the day. It'll be good for you. I promise. 
Say goodnight, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>